This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Today, we have a special longer episode than usual for our audience, an exit interview with a major lawmaker in the energy and climate space, Representative Fred Upton of Michigan. Upton is a 69-year-old centrist Republican who was first elected back in 1986 and will retire from Congress in 2023 after 36 years in the House. He chaired the House Energy and Commerce Committee from 2011 to 2017, and since then he's been the top Republican on the Energy Subcommittee. Upton's energy policies have often crossed party lines. He's one of 13 House Republicans who voted for the bipartisan infrastructure package last year, and he was also a leading figure in the successful 2015 push to repeal the ban on crude oil exports, which was one of the most consequential pro-fossil fuel policies in recent years that helped the U.S. become a net energy exporter. So today I chat with Congressman Upton about what a GOP House means for energy policy, what he learned from the current energy crisis, the future of permitting reform, and more. It's Thursday, December 1st. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. I want to start off as the top Republican on the Energy and Commerce Committee's Energy Subcommittee. You helped lead an effort over the last few years by the House GOP to come up with a climate agenda in response to polling. I know young and suburban voters really care about this issue. So what policy or policies have kind of emerged from that effort that you see have really helped the U.S. reduce emissions? You all have have watched this issue for a good number of years, and you'll remember a really good, if I don't say so myself, pat myself on the back, uh, op-ed piece that Greg Walden, then the chair, my successor at Energy and Commerce, John Shimkus, former member now, but a good friend and subcommittee chair on the Environment Subcommittee, and myself wrote saying climate change is real. So get with it. Americans believe that this is the case. And what we have to do is really focus on technology of where we can reduce emissions. But if you're ever going to hit the standards worldwide of what Paris is asking for, it's got to be more nuclear. It just has to be. And of course, in this country, we've stalled really on nuclear. I think we've got one. We sort of have one that's been around now for 20 some years, I believe down in Georgia that they're building. We'll hope that that comes online. But we also hope that the NRC, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, is able to finally adopt some approvals on some of these small nuclear reactors. Uh, So not a big one like we saw close in my district, but smaller ones that might be able to electrify a a city or, or something like that. You know, we've been asking these questions for a lot of years, but maybe in the next five or six years, we'll see the NRC actually make an approval that would embark on that. Uh, We'll see, but they need, you know, they need the financial help to do it. But at, at the end of the day, climate change is real and we need to take advantage of technological gains. And what policies do you think a GOP controlled house with potentially a speaker, Kevin McCarthy, who I know has helped lead this shift among the GOP? could look to past that would actually accelerate these emissions reductions. Because again, President Biden has, as part of Paris, has increased the U.S. pledge, says the U.S. should be cutting emissions by at least half by 2030. So that's going to require an acceleration of the pace we're at. 
Do you feel like a GOP controlled house would be productive towards helping getting there or being more kind of defensive against Biden policies? Time will tell. I've, I've not studied the new players. I don't know who's going to take my place. CMR, Kathy McMorris Rogers is going to be hopefully unchallenged for chairing the Energy and Commerce Committee. I don't not sure who's going to take my place. Maybe Mike Burgess. We'll see what choices she makes for, for subcommittee chairs to lead lead the action. But you know, most of the country, and, and we've seen Garrett Graves lead. I think a very responsible job. He, Kevin McCarthy announced a number of members on his climate task force uh, to develop a plan a number of months ago. Garrett's done a really good job at looking at things. Climate change is real for him. We ought to take advantage of these technological gains that we know that we can do. Yeah, you mentioned McMorris Rogers. What advice would you have for her as former Energy and Commerce Committee chairman? And, you know, she's really promising this kind of aggressive oversight agenda. I mean, do you see any risk in kind of Republicans overreaching and opposing the Biden climate policies and kind of detracting from this message of we want to be in the game on climate? Well, I think the only way you get things done if you, is if you work together. So you, you can pass them in committee. And our committee is pretty reflective of the House. I mean, we've got some folks uh, way to the left. We've got some people way to the right. But if you can pass a bill 40 to 10 or 53 to nothing or something along that line, guess what? It's going to pass on the House floor. But if you don't pass it with a decent margin on the House floor, it gets stalled in the Senate. My sense is that Morgan Griffith will be the chair of the Oversight Subcommittee. He's done a marvelous job as we've been in the minority. But my guess is, and it'll be an active subcommittee as, as well, it's going to focus on accountability. So my sense is that it'll be focused on accountability. Climate change will be there, but there are not a lot of deniers left in the Congress. Uh, yeah, we have some. <laughs> but uh, I think certainly the overall body, if you allow the, the votes to be cast, it's going to be what can we do to rectify this and and help the rest of the world get to where where we are as well. Not necessarily with funding, you know, not big bundles of cash going, but we show the world what we're doing with technology, with wind and solar and maybe tide. And obviously nuclear is a big, big issue. And, you know, you look at what's going on with Ukraine, with Europe right now, of course, Germany made the decision a number of years ago after Fukushima to close down all of their nuclear plants. And But France is still at, what, 90% of their electricity generated comes from nuclear. So we've got to still de deal with the, with the waste issue. But there are things that we can do to help lead the rest of the world to really make a difference in terms of what's going to happen. Yeah, what did you learn from the current energy crisis? And of course, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a big part of that. COVID kind of started the elevation in prices. But, you know, you have Democrats saying, hey, like, this really shows the perils of depending on fossil fuels, and we should actually be accelerating the transition. Is that something you agree with? Yeah, I would guess so. I mean, I've been a member of the Ukraine caucus for a while. Uh, one of my Codells that I went on actually with Kevin McCarthy back, I want to say it was in 2014 or 2015, we went to Ukraine. And I led a Codell later on to Ukraine. I was there very briefly earlier this year, mainly in Poland and Germany. But what Russia has done is actually been a big step back because not only is Germany canceled or will be shutting down their nuclear plants within the next two years or so, but they've actually forced much of Europe now to go back to coal. <laughs> 
rather than even using the Russian gas, which is certainly dirtier than ours, in these terrible times that they're enduring, they've really had to go back to coal, which is only accelerating climate change versus not. Now, one of the things that I did as chair was we really did reduce the time and uh, promote the export of natural gas from the U.S. You know, we've used fracking. Uh, We've done a, a good number of different things and really embarked on a North American energy independent plan. It got a little disrupted. The cancellation of the the pipeline that Biden did on the first day didn't help things as it relates to gasoline prices. But it has certainly shown that, thank goodness, we were where we were 10 years ago or so by beginning to accelerate natural gas exports because without that, I mean, there's such a crying need Gotcha. And then just turning quickly to the hot button energy policy issue in the U.S. right now seems to be permitting reform. There's this conversation happening in the lame duck and then potentially next Congress. I mean, would you support an effort to pass something on a bipartisan basis in the lame duck? And should Republican leadership seriously be looking at pursuing that path? I'd like to think so, but I'm also a realist. I've been here a few years and I don't expect that it's going to happen I do believe that we can get permitting reform in the next Congress, though, as well. I think that this, particularly with gas prices where they are, who knows exactly where they'll be in in a couple of months, knowing that you still have a long term before things actually happen. But you have to send the signal early on that permitting reform has got to happen. The facts are there. Manchin tried, you know, remember he tried to cut a deal uh, as related to the Build Back Better plan. It got stomped for a variety of reasons, uh, none of them probably really correct in terms of policy, more political. But you got to turn that page. And I'd like to think that you could get a bipartisan permitting plan, certainly through our committee, Energy and Commerce. I think CMR will lead that charge. I think that'll be a, a major initiative. I think you can find certainly all of the Republicans and a good number of the Democrats that would be for that. And with that signal then to the Senate, I don't know how Schumer could stop that uh, from happening. I think you could get to the the 60 threshold mark or so. May have to make a few compromises along the way, but at the end of the day, this ought to be an initiative that the next Congress follows through, but unlikely in the next couple of weeks as the lame duck expires. And you think that's just a time element or just there's still disagreements on policy? Yeah, I think it's time. I mean, we have literally probably about three weeks. So some of the other issues we have, obviously, you got to keep the government open. You've got the election reform. You've got, you know, just the wind up stuff. I mean, this stuff, it hasn't gone through the committee process yet. The, The hearings, it's like, here it is. And you've got some folks that, Remember, you need 60 votes that are just say enough. You're not going to get the votes to get this done. So why not start with a etch sketch a clean start, turn the page, and make this a major bipartisan initiative uh, to get done to, again, send the signal that we're serious about what we ought to be able to do domestically and really go back to the plan back in the mid-2015-2016, develop a North American energy independent plan that not only helps us but frankly helps the rest of the world, particularly as we see what Ukrainians uh, are enduring in the next couple of months there. And are there particular policies on permitting or areas that you would prioritize if you were 
the Republicans next Congress? Well, I think you have to have, you know, something that, like a shot clock. You got to have these so that when the decision is made, you've got so much time to, to get it done. Again, we haven't had the hearings. I think you have to expose those and uh, really get something that, you know, you can get 75 or 80 per- 80% of the, the job done. It's I think you can get a good chunk of permitting reform done in a bipartisan way and get it to the president. Frankly, he'll take credit for it because he's the president. <laughs> he he will. He's not going to veto this bill. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash powered switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com slash RNG.